0: My Conscious Co-Creators, welcome to another edition of the Conscious Consultant Hour Awakening Humanity. I am very, very pleased that you're here with me today, either on talkradio.nyc or on our Facebook live stream. You can always catch us 12 noon Eastern time to 1 p.m. on uh, facebook.com slash talkradio.nyc. Ta, my brother, I see you watching there. Always wonderful to have you tuning in. And I'm going to dedicate this show to you and your your uh, wonderful, significant other, Cole, because uh, you guys are leaving real soon on your uh, year-long journey. I look forward to uh, watching you guys as you traverse through the world uh, over the next year. It'll be interesting to see. So... Welcome, everybody. Let's get started. We have a wonderful guest, in, returning guest in studio today. Uh, and uh, let's uh, get started, as usual, with our quotes of the day from the universe and from Abraham. Let's see what the universe and Abraham have in store for us today. First, from the universe. For the earnest student, taking responsibility means never forgetting to have fun. Seriously, the universe. Uh, We love our quotes from Mike Dooley in the universe. Um, uh, And very apropos for today's guest, um, talking about, you know, yes, taking responsibility is important. But let's not forget to have fun in the process. And this is actually something that came up to me just this past Friday night at a ceremony where um, I, I was out in Brooklyn with with a group of people, with a group I hadn't uh, done work with before. And uh, it's you traditionally, you know, sort of quiet, um, introspective, uh, you know, self-reflective kind of work, but... Th- Like during the middle of the ceremony, people started getting a little rowdy and shouting out and laughing and having fun. And I was just kind of laughing to myself. It was very entertaining for me. And I was just thinking to myself, oh, I'm not going to really do any deep work tonight like I thought I was. I'm just going to have fun. And then I realized having fun can be deep work, too. And oftentimes we think that like to do the deep inner work we have to be serious and you know focused and we have to dig up all these painful memories and things like that but sometimes just cutting loose sometimes just uh you know being in the moment and and and, and really just allowing ourselves to be free like children once again, allowing ourselves to play is sometimes the most important thing we can do. You know, I've heard it uh, said that researchers look and like that's how our brain creates new connections by playing. And that's why it's so important for children to play. Children learn while playing. And I think that's something we tend to forget when, as we become adults, that like we forget that playing, like having fun is learning. So, yes, uh, if we're going to be an earnest student you know, having fun is so important. Does this mean that we don't work hard? Does this mean that we don't show up and be as present as we can? No, of course not. Absolutely, we, we show up and be present. But having fun in the process not only makes the process that much more enjoyable, but it act, we actually get it in our nervous system. We actually feel it in our body so much more. So this is a wonderful quote today and something that I think it's it's a reminder I always need. and, And I think it's a reminder for us all that, you know, to always have fun while we're learning because, you know, having fun can actually be very deep, serious work. So a wonderful quote from the universe. Let's see what Abraham has in store for us today. Trust that they're making their lives work in the way that they're making their lives work and just teach through the power of your example, Abraham. ah, Now you see Abraham here, I think Abraham here is also talking about kids and adults too. But it's about really trusting that people are doing whatever they need to do, whether they're three, thirty, or ninety years old, that we're all doing the best that we can and whatever we really need to do to get by in life to survive, to thrive you know what 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 we think that we need the most, and that really. We can't change anybody else. We all have this tendency of like thinking, oh, if I can only help this person change, only if I can make them change, they could be better, they could be having so much more, they could be doing this, they could be doing that. And it's like, you can't force anybody to change. We can inspire others. And by living as an example of how to be different of how to show up better in our lives, then we can help people to change. But that's not forcing people to change. That's not making somebody change. It's we have to just stand in our authenticity. We have to stand up and, and, and just show up better for ourselves in our own life and trust that that example will inspire others and help others and that people will see that and then they will take that and use that and model that behavior. Because ultimately, the only change we can make is in ourselves. We cannot make a change in anybody else. It's always up to that individual to make their own change. And it's always up to us to make our own change. So let's trust in life let 's trust in the universe, trust in whatever word you want to use, that things are actually going along as best as they can, given all the circumstances around us and Yes, I know there are some horrible things that have happened or are going on in the world. There are a lot of people who are going through very painful moments and, and very difficult times between natural disasters and man made disasters. Look, it, it, it has always been that way, but believe it or not, even with all this mishigas, even with all this craziness that we're experiencing, things are still better today than they have ever been before in our history, in our recorded history. You know, we forget that, like, people are living longer than they ever have before. There are actually less people involved in conflicts around the world than there has ever been before. That, you know, things are, are, are you know, the standard of living is higher than it's ev- ever been before. Less people are in poverty than have ever been before. Does this mean that there are not people in poverty? No, not at all. There's, we still got a ways to go. It's just, you know, when we look at our yardstick and how we measure things, we have a tendency to use a very short stick because we're only comparing today to yesterday. But if we compare today to 500 years ago, you know, how much cleaner things are. How many more children are surviving childbirth? How many more women are surviving childbirth? You know, how how many more people are educated than any before? How much more access there is to information? I mean, especially now with the internet. I mean, God, if you just have a cell phone, you have literally a whole world of information at your fingertips. So things actually are better than they've been before. It's just we're much more aware of all of the craziness in the world than we've ever been before because before we used to be confined to like our little village and occasionally we'd get reports when somebody would write in from town and tell us about what happened but we didn't really know what was going on on the other side of the world now we know in seconds what's going on in the other side of the world so it's it's just uh it's just we have so much more access. So it it feels like things are just horrible compared to the way before. They actually are not. If you look at the real numbers, look at what's really going on, things are amazing compared to before. Does not mean that there aren't difficult things to deal with. Does not mean that there's still not people suffering. Does not mean that there's still not a lot we can do to improve things. It, it's just about perspective, and it's about taking a different perspective, understanding. Again, if we can trust that things are really going the best that they can, then the the only work we need to do, not the only work, but the most important work we need to do, is to be the best example we can be for those people in our lives. And if we can be a better example for just those handful of people, the couple of dozen people, whoever we happen to touch, or how small or how large our reach is, if we can touch their lives a little bit, and then they start to live their lives a little better, and then they start touching other people, that's the way we change the world. That's the way things unfold. That's the way we grow and things become even more. More amazing! Wow, well, two wonderful quotes. Oh, big shout out to Lee Luke. Madhavi. Oh, thank you all for tuning in on the Facebook live stream. And again, for anyone listening through talkradio.nyc if you want to see the video, just go to facebook.com slash talkradio.nyc. Wonderful to see you all. Thank you, Ta. I know, brother. I know you you resonate with all this stuff. So two wonderful quotes. I hope you enjoy them. And uh, we'll have two new quotes for you next week. And now as I flip around the camera oops and uh, show you our guest for the day in studio yes you do not have to look at me all hour long isn't that wonderful it is my pleasure to welcome back to the show ellen gottlieb who is the founder of enlightened parenting ellen uh, began to study mindful parenting more than 12 years ago when she wanted to shift her own parenting practices. She realized that her two daughters back then, they were eight and 10, were unhappy and anxious, and she knew that there had to be a better way. Ellen, being an attorney by trade and practiced law as a litigator um, and a mediator for more than 30 years, used this training to enhance her communication and negotiating skills. Mindful parenting is her passion and has resulted in the creation of her own thriving coaching practice, helping parents all over the New York area. Right, Ellen? And the
1: country.
0: And around the country. And she was personally trained uh, for more than a decade by Dr. Shafali uh, Sabari. Sabari, thank you, who is a world-renowned parenting expert and who is also endorsed by Oprah Winfrey. And so uh, we welcome you back to you. the Conscious Consultant Hour. Welcome, Ellen.
1: Thank you. I'm so happy to be here and to be back with you and your wonderful audience. Oh,
0: thank, so thank you Thank you for having me. Yes, I know uh, last time we had you here earlier in the year, we had a little bit of technical difficulties and the recording wasn't so good. So we decided to have you back and thought, you know, this is a good time of year to have you back, right? It's the back to school season. Kids are going back to school and that brings up a whole bunch of issues, doesn't it?
1: It does. But it's always a good time to be a conscious parent.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, ooh, a couple of more people joined us. Welcome Dana and Bravish on the Facebook live stream. Good to see you guys. Um, so uh, as you, as I mentioned, just in your introduction, uh, you know, you had you kind of got into this conscious parenting because of uh, your own needs with your own kids.
1: That's correct.
0: Uh, so, uh, you know, most parents, uh, th- their kids are a little anxious. They, they like just kind of react. What kind of, and, and we just got like a minute before we go to break, what kind of got you to say like, there's got to be a better way? Like, like you know, I, I can't just do what I've been doing for the last 10 years.
1: It's a great question. I knew that there was something that I didn't know. So I didn't know what I didn't know. And I right. was going to find out. I also knew that I was simply doing what was done to me, that there was a legacy of mindlessness, lots of love, but lots of mindlessness. Mm. And here I was recreating that in reactions, in blame and criticism, in a desire for an outcome and for control. And I simply decided that there must be another parenting paradigm, and I sought it. And Mm. I was fortunate over the years to make some shifts
0: How how long did it take you to find sort of this idea of conscious parenting?
1: You know, it was an evolution, like everything in life. It's truly an evolution. It took some time, and I was fortunate to meet this wonderful mentor, and then to find some of the right books to read. And I've actually done hundreds and hundreds of hours of training, and now working with other parents, and I'm growing in it all the time. Wonderful. And it is my passion because when I see a shift in a family where a child goes from a state of anxiety to tranquility. Nothing makes me happier.
0: Right. And then you know you're breaking that cycle, right? Exactly. It's It's, all about breaking cycles. It's like that generational cycle that's been going on for years is now dissolved and all I right. must tell
1: you that your your uh quotes were perfect yeah.
0: <laughs> they're always so apropos for my guess okay we're going to go out for our first commercial break and when we come back we're going to start talking about uh what's the mindful conscious way to deal with your children's anxiety going back to school and the things they have to deal with these days and we're going to touch upon a whole bunch of topics today so please stay tuned you're listening to the conscious consultant hour awakening humanity and we'll be right back after these messages
2: 24 hours a day.
0: Welcome back to the Conscious Consultant Hour Awakening Humanity. We're speaking this hour with Ellen Gottlieb, founder of Enlightened Parenting, all about how to be more conscious in how we show up for our kids, right? Right. So, so you know, it, it, September has passed, which is back to school, but I'm, I'm still calling it back to school season, so to speak. Um, what do you find uh, with the parents that you're dealing with? Like, what are the big issues when kids first go back to school? You know, I always like to say, even though it's the Jewish New Year's around this time, to me, September always feels like the new year, just because as a kid, it was like summer was the break. And then, you know, your new school year started in September. So to me, I always feel feel like the years go from september to august. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I agree. So so the kids are back to school. What what kinds of issues are parents typically dealing with these days?
1: There are a number of issues. I would say anxiety in the children is probably the greatest one mm-hmm. and the anxiety in the parents as well. Uh, uh, all about having And to what go are to kids school.
0: anxious about They're these anxious days?
1: They're anxious about the social aspect the academic Uh, aspects the younger ones are anxious about drop-off the older uh, children are anxious about peer pressure socialization academic pressures uh it it can really span the gamut of anxieties mm, and unfortunately the parents are often modeling that anxiety instead of being the antidote we tend to be the co-creator
0: right and then the kids just look at the parents and the parents are being anxious so then the kids are just like well mommy and daddy are anxious I really should be anxious then
1: exactly Exactly. I see.
0: So, 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 what's the antidote to that?
1: The antidote to that is for the parent to look inward. It is mm. always for the parent to clean up his or her own emotional landscape. Right. To really recognize that this is yours to own and it's oh. yours to deconstruct.
0: Right. So, so, what are parents anxious about when the kids are going back to school?
1: Well, parents tend to seek a lot of control.
0: Ah. Control
1: and fear, I think, are the two big um, issues that parents right. deal with this need for it all to be perfect for their children during right. the school day they should be happy they should do well they should be musically inclined they'd like A's they'd like popularity and right. they should be artistic and all the rest so we have <laughs> they a have lot to be of be
0: perfect children we
1: want we have a lot of wants yeah we have our own desires because they need to feed our egos
0: right right
1: so we get very caught up and then we want them of course to be happy
0: right on top <laughs> so of all of on that. top
1: of all of it they have to enjoy it all right and so I I really always feel it's about the parent raising him or herself first. Right. And that is the pathway to consciousness and to children who really know about fun and joy, as you talked about early on.
0: Having fun in the process. Absolutely. So what can a parent do to recognize that it's their own stuff? Because, you know, normally we're going through our day to day and like we're busy and we got to rush to work and get the kids to school. and We're doing all this stuff. You know, we don't often like stop and self-reflect and say, Oh, my God, this is my anxiety. So, so what do you recommend to parents to get them to kind of like flip that switch and recognize that, you know, hey, there's something going on in, inside of them. It's not just their kids.
1: Well, you've got it. You're talking about waking up. And right. the best way to wake up, and it only takes a moment, mm-hmm. is to stop and take a pause. Literally take a breath. And notice what energy are you the parent bringing to this child, whether it's getting ready for school and worrying about missing buses and missing a meeting at work, whether it's, you know, homework preparation at night, it's all about the parent recognizing what energy Am I bringing? Am I comfortable? Am I joyful? Am I letting go of my expectations? Or am I approaching this with my needs being met with this schedule being met with that child must make the bus? So it's the first thing is the look inward.
0: Right. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's so funny how lots of times the parents like put their unfulfilled desires and expectations onto their kids. So, you know, maybe they didn't achieve something in their life. So they want their kids to be even better. So you have to do better. You have to get into a better college than I did. So you have to work harder than I did. And so they dump all these expectations on their kids. And the kid is like, I just want to go play Frisbee. What's going on here?
1: So then what happens to the child and I see it a lot and it's very sad is that the child loses touch with his or her authentic self. Right. What is the child like? You know, right. I have one child becoming a rabbi and one who loves who loves American sign language and writing, you know, and right. neither of these were my were my particular abilities or right. greatest interests. So you need to stop and allow your children right. to experience their Authentic selves by not interfering. And right, we always interfere, and we over interfere,
0: right. and
1: that's where we, I, I really believe, where we get so stuck.
0: Right, right, and then again, that just perpetuates that that generational cycle. Because we were interfered with by our parents exactly. when we were kids. So, so we've
1: lost touch with right. we, what we want and who we are and what we want to do. What I call the authentic self. And people often say, what does it mean to be authentic?
0: Right. And
1: my definition of authenticity is to strip away all those conditioned patterns, anxiety, fear, anger, control, when we deconstruct them and right. we figure them out for ourselves and eventually let them go. That's right. who we are in the essence.
0: Right. And our kids right. start off there, right. but we
1: pile this on
0: and mm. they lose that
1: touch, that, that touch with themselves.
0: Right, right. Yeah, so it's just learning that, you know, they're their own individuals, right? They're their own people. And it's like in the quote before, it's about sort of trusting them, right? It's trusting them to know what their interests, what their joys are, what their uh you know desires hopes and dreams are and and not put our own unfulfilled dreams on them
1: correct so it's a deep letting go And it is not easy to let go in this way because we do have such an egoic attachment. So I sometimes tell parents, when you're encountering your child, pretend it's your neighbor's child. (laughs) (laughs)
0: It's so much easier because
1: we're not attached. Right, then you're
0: not emotionally attached, absolutely.
1: encounter your child the way you would your neighbor in terms of telling your neighbor how to behave when your child comes home with a C.
0: Yeah,
1: And you'll have a a much easier time.
0: (laughs) My friend Toss on the Facebook live stream says, yeah, this is where it all begins
1: it is where it all begins right. and it's the middle Absolutely. and it's the end it's everything
0: yes yes so um uh, uh so especially now i've seen that like kids the 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 social aspect of going back to school it can be particularly trying for ch- kids and and like you know they're trying to fit in yet it seems like th- there's still a lot of bullying going on there's still a lot of um Sort of personal attacks that go on if you're a little bit different. How can a a parent sort of more consciously help their kid? Like, let's say your kid is a little different. Maybe they're a, a little bit of a nebbish, a little bit of a nerd, or, you know, they're not as coordinated, so they're not as good at sports, or, you know, they just, you know, feel a little awkward around other kids. How can a parent support their kid? To to em- embrace who they are, but still deal with these other kids who are going to give them a hard time.
1: Okay, so there's a lot of there's a lot to that question. There's first of all the concern about the labeling and comparing your child mm. to another child or yes. to the other children. Because if your child isn't as social, that is okay, and they must right. be taught that if there aren't a lot of friends, there aren't a lot of friends, mm. and there's family, and that's okay.
2: Right. So the
1: first thing to always do, in my opinion, is to listen deeply and watch uh, your emotional charge. I don't think anything can charge us as much as a child not fitting in socially and not having uh, friends, especially in the middle school years. We right. get deeply deeply triggered. Yeah. Because we so want to conform and be accepted and want our children to be even popular, no less, right. you know, un- unpopular. Right. So the first thing is to check in with yourself and see how deeply it's triggering you as the parent. Honor that, sit Uh with it, but don't put it on the child, and then listen deeply to the child's experiences at school. Now, I don't believe in a lot of interaction with the school but there are certainly times when the parent needs to advocate but that adv- advocate advocacy has to be done very carefully right. and it has to be done when you're sure there's a safety or a danger issue or a true emotional problem that needs to be addressed right you know that's causing an emotional problem i should say but right that has to be you, you need to attune to the child
0: right and so there's a balance between sort of standing up for your kid when they're in a position where they they literally can't stand up for themselves or they need the support of uh, an adult to stand up for them versus giving your child the support they need to stand up for themselves when it 's a situation where they just need to stand up for themselves a little bit more
1: that 's a- absolutely correct because there can 't be a victim without a perpetrator right. can there be a perpetrator without a victim, so even in these terrible bullying situations. We are all co-creating them, whether it's between siblings or at school on the schoolyard. The victim is seeing him or herself as the victim.
0: Right. So if we can
1: change that mindset, if we can make that, quote, victim, and I don't believe in that label, but I'm using it here to identify the person who's being picked on, if that person can learn resilience and can learn that he or she is good enough and that what these kids do truly doesn't matter right. and that they are strong and powerful and give them skills and tools whatever they may be, and there right. are a lot of skills and tools we can teach, Right, they no longer have to co-create that situation, and you take away the power of
0: the bully. Right, exactly, exactly. Now, that doesn't mean that the child isn't going to experience pain. It doesn't mean that they're not going to experience discomfort. It just means that how they respond to it, you're, you're kind of teaching them like how to respond to it from a more conscious point of view so that they don't suffer from it.
1: So we teach empowerment, but let me just say that we never expect our children not to suffer and feel pain. In fact, we should welcome that pain. And I know it's Mm. hard for parents to hear, but if we don't start teaching emotional tolerance of every emotion, not just the happy ones. You know, when parents say, I just want my child to be happy, I find that very disturbing.
2: Mm. Let's teach our children that you're in
1: pain, you're in pain. It's like a wave. It's in the ocean. It's temporary. It will come and it will go. Learn to tolerate it and find out how well they will be able to cope in the world.
0: Right, right. Oh, that's so beautiful, you know, because I I hear it all the time. I just want my child to be happy. And it's like, yeah, what about all the other 9900 emotions that we have? (laughs) And I've never heard anyone say it quite that way. That's quite beautiful. Thank you. Let's 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 teach the kids to embrace all of their emotions, not just the happy ones.
1: And in fact, where is the growth? Where is the learning? Right. It's in the muck. Right. It's not in the joy. It's not when they're off giggling. It's when they're right. deeply sad. Let's teach them that that's the beauty. Right. That's the place of growth and wisdom.
0: Right, right. And and actually, the less they resist it and the less we resist it, the easier it is to get through, isn't it? And the smoother the ride is through it.
1: What you're saying, I believe, and it's what I agree with so much, is the only way out is in.
0: Mm-hmm. The only way out is in. Beautiful. Beautiful. Ta comments on the Facebook live stream. He says, being different is not a disorder.
1: Being different is beautiful. We're all different. But the ones who are more different are the ones we need to honor more and they have so much to offer in the world Yes,
0: absolutely absolutely okay beautiful Wow. all right time to take our second break um and, and again if anyone would like to call in if you have questions or comments yourself you're always welcome to call in on our hotline 877-480-4120 or please comment the way ta is ta is like blowing up our facebook live stream uh field those wonderful comments thank you um please also feel free to share us if you're on the facebook live stream share the video um, so that your friends can see this interview as well and when we come back let's talk about maybe some current events topics and how we can support our kids uh when they hear about some crazy things happening on the tv so everybody please stay with us you're listening to the conscious consultant hour awakening humanity and we'll be right back after these messages
2: you're listening to the talking alternative network If you have an interest in marijuana, you want to know about marijuana, law, policy, and culture... And feel free to join me Joseph a Bondi, every Friday at 11 o'clock in the morning on my show in the no 420, on talkingalternative.com to continue to resist the passage of this necessary-
0: Welcome back to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. We're talking all about enlightened parenting with Ellen Gottlieb today. And we have a wonderful question from Bravish on the Facebook live stream. Bravish asks, what's the balance between structure and free form? Outcome driven? Process? Quote, how to get that assignment done? <laughs> One would love to just let them be. So I think he's kind of asking, like, what's the balance between, like, you know, sitting on top of your kids and getting them to get the homework assignment done or just letting them play?
2: The
1: first thing to do is to attune to the child. Understand that some children need more free time after school to run. Some people, some kids need to sit in front of a video game. But obviously they can't sit and do video games all night and not do homework because... As much as we look to foster deep connection, there also have to be some boundaries. Right. I believe only in essential boundaries, not a ton of rules.
0: Okay. Uh, but what do you consider an essential boundary?
1: Essential boundary from safety to education to okay. responsibility, empathy, health, gratitude, I'm gratitude, nutrition and health are essential boundaries. Okay. And sometimes we can make little moves within those boundaries. For example, with nutrition and Halloween we've talked about, we're yeah. going to let some more candy in the house.
0: Yes, yes, yes. And that's okay. Right. right. So
1: we want to have some fun too. So homework is a big issue. It's a trigger. So the parents always need to first look at their triggers.
0: Right.
1: I never believe in being outcome-driven. I'm always process-driven. I don't care about Uh, the grade. Okay. I also believe if you're having a great deal of difficulty with the homework, allow the consequence to be that which the school imposes. Uh Rather than being on their backs, get on their sides. Mm -hmm. Create the conditions in your home where homework is to be done and can be done in a quiet, clean place. Mm -hmm. So there should be a space. There should be time when the TV is off and the phones are turned off. And there should be a routine with homework time because it is an essential boundary. Right. Then, if there are problems with it, we work on it. Bring as your children get older, bring them into the negotiating process on how to get it done, and then ultimately let the world determine by the grade or the reprimand at school what's going to be. So get off their back and on their side. Right. So, so let
0: them know that there are consequences to their actions, and that you know it. It's up to them to make the right choices, and if they make Certain choices, they're going to be some not so good consequences, and if they make other choices, they're going to be some good consequences. Exactly. Do, do you believe in the, um, uh, like rewarding, uh, you know, them doing stuff? Like, well, if you if you do your homework on time without me having to give you a hard time, you'll get extra something this weekend or well, stuff I'm, like I'm that. I'm not
1: big on rewards. I certainly don't like the money for grades at all. It's oh, not okay. a paradigm with which I agree. Yeah. Uh, but. It's certainly fine to say if certain things get done as a family, we'll be able to do something this weekend. In other Uh, words, but bring the kids in. What do they want to do this weekend? What uh, bring them into? You know, they may not want to go apple picking, or they might, or their time with friends. So, the thing we tend to do is take away control, and I think we need to see ah. control and give it to them and let them feel autonomous.
0: Right. So give them some power back. Absolutely. And say, you know, what do you want within reason? And then, okay, well, if that's what you want, like, this is what needs to happen in order for that to happen. Right. Correct. Cool. Cool. All right. Very good. I hope you like that, Profish. I see we're getting lots of hearts on the Facebook live stream on this one. Um All right. I want to I do want to talk about like the holiday season and what's coming up. But before we get there, um, uh, I I do want to just touch upon sort of current events and what's been going on, because I think that affects the kids, too. And and in particular, I'm talking about, you know, the shooting that happened in Vegas this week um, where I mean, I think we still don't know why this guy did it and uh, you know the kids uh, they're probably the first ones to hear about it through social media Um, as a conscious parent what do you say to a child when they hear about some crazy tragedy like that and and some kids they're pretty sensitive they respond to that and they get really upset over it don't they
1: they do sometimes now now random events have always happened and will always happen absolutely there is a you and i spoke about the collective unconscious yes unconsciousness in this world yes the first thing i remind parents in moments like this is to stop and take that pause and watch your own anxiety Right. I have a parent who said they're panicked to send their children off to school.
0: Uh, and you know what? Those
1: children are feeling every bit of it. And despite the mother telling me, of course, I don't tell them,
0: right. you need
1: not tell them. Right. That child knows. <laughs> they're
0: going to feel it.
1: So the first thing to do is put a, a, a really put a lid on your own anxiety if you're feeling it. Okay. And sit and allow the child to experience whatever it is that he or she may be experiencing. And simply right. allow it. You're feeling afraid. I understand. Right. I get that you're feeling afraid. It is scary. It does seem random. It was random. Yes. It could happen anywhere. And then remind your child that while these things make the news, and yeah. they certainly do, um, remind your child that it's still one in a hundred million or so, and I'm, I'm really making up the yeah, quote, but yeah. it's still a very very infinitesimal possibility that you will find yourself in that type of situation. Right. And that the power we have is to go on with our lives mm-hmm. To feel safe to feel mm-hmm. free mm-hmm. and to find joy
0: yes yeah so it's really just you know again like we i spoke about earlier with our quotes of the day it's like finding the perspective and then you know first dealing with your own anxiety so that you're not bringing your um uh, out of balance emotions into the situation and then helping your child to do the same
1: Correct. You can't even help your child when your own emotions are out of balance. You right. can't be the role model. And that's why I loved your quotes. You talked about being the role model. Right. So embodying what you want them to be without putting it on them.
0: Right. Be right. who
1: be the person you'd like to see them become
0: right. as a
1: person, not in terms of what they might do or like you know, not right. in terms of activities, but just be the type, embody the values right, and right. then have fun. We forget yeah, yes. after all of this, enjoy the moment. And you said it perfectly. You said, be present in the moment because right. those moments are fun.
0: Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And so just be there for them and like be, be present with them and and like, you know, deal with your own stuff first.
1: Separate yours from theirs.
0: From theirs. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, okay. So It's October. It's the kids' absolute favorite holiday at the end of this month. Lots of sugar and candy flying around. How do you have healthy boundaries around that? You know, all these other kids are eating all this candy. You know, and you know if your kid has it, they're going to be bouncing off the walls for a while. You know, where do you, like, you want them to have fun. You know, you want to allow it, but at the same time, there still needs to be some balance in there, doesn't it?
1: There's always a balance, certainly, yes. Focus on the costumes. Maybe focus on some good deeds at this time of collecting Ah. some non-perishables or things like that in addition to collecting candy.
0: Ah. To give away...
1: There's ways of teaching gratitude and things like, and help and humanity and humanitarian values. But also, it's a time when there's going to be more candy. Yeah. <laughs> so have fun with it. So there's candy for dinner one night. No one's ever died from a little extra sugar. I mean, of course, if your child is a diabetic,
0: right. That's you, a different story. Different.
1: I'm. But for the most part, it's going to be a time of fun and candy. So yeah. I, I, I join just, them. Have some chocolate. I,
0: I just always remember the line from uh, the Peanuts uh, uh, TV special uh, when they, uh, I forget who it was, when Charlie Brown, I think, was talking to Linus. And he's like, oh, it's Thanksgiving soon. And he's like, Thanksgiving, I still haven't finished my Halloween candy.
1: Right. <laughs> and the funny thing is you can sort of teach them. You can use the Halloween candy as yet another lesson. Yeah. to teach a little bit about waiting about not a, having immediate uh, gratification look at all this candy how should we use it
0: right. how many pieces
1: a day would would be enough
0: right. What's enough? right how long would you like it to last exactly. would you and like it you to gonna, last a whole perfect. month a two weeks how three weeks are we, how are
1: you going to make that last
0: yeah would you like to put have it in to, your room in a yeah. shoebox
1: you decide how long it's going to last
0: uh, but if you're done
1: with it the first day and you have a tummy ache that's okay but don't give in tomorrow and and refill the shoebox.
0: Right, right. Yeah, and so get them to learn. Like, yeah, if you indulge in all this candy, you may get a tummy ache, and that might not be so good for your body. But if you're not going to listen to me, okay, try it for yourself and see how you feel. And then, you know, they'll experience it for themselves. And if you do it without judgment, maybe they'll be a little bit more present to it to learn the lesson. Because sometimes it's like if we say, no, you can't have it because if you eat it all, you'll you'll get a tummy ache. Then they're going to want it that much more just to because it is forbidden fruit, right?
1: Yes, it it need not be. Food should never be used as forbidden fruit. Food is just food for nourishment. And if they do eat it all in one day. It won't be there the next day. And when they're sad the next day, allow them to be sad. Oh, it's so sad you ate all your candy.
0: Yeah. I know
1: it's so hard not to have candy today. Yeah. Allow that, but don't don't mess with that boundary.
0: Yeah. Don't then
1: not be able to handle the sadness and go fill them up with more chocolate.
0: Right. Because that's where right.
1: the boundary gets misplaced.
0: Right, and that's, that's really sort of one of the key lessons. And we even talked about it before a little bit, but it's like allow it to be okay for your child to be sad sometimes
1: don't just allow it, invite it
0: invite it, yeah, encourage it and like, you know, honor it and that, you know, your kid doesn't have to be happy and smiling all the time they also don't have to be frowning and sad all the time either there should be that healthy range of emotions and allow it all
1: I do not advocate deep depression I promise you
0: (laughs) (laughs) no, no we definitely don't want that um before we go to break just quickly um uh, I mentioned it before briefly but bullying any any particular advice for parents who have to deal with bullying if their kids are getting bullied in school
1: Well you know we talk about the parents of the, that who the the, per, the child who is bullied excuse me but we often don't talk about the parents yeah. dealing with the bully Bully
0: yeah And I
1: believe there's a very fine line between the bullied and the bully
0: yeah.
1: It's really one and the same. Right. It's a co-creation of a need to control versus a disempowerment. And right. I think we need to deal with both sides of that equation. Right. And the parents who feel their kids are bullies sometimes are proud that theirs are the strong ones, but maybe there are unmet emotional needs there
0: uh, that also
1: need to be addressed.
0: Yeah, uh, like maybe the parent was bullied as a kid, so they want their son to be strong or, and, and, or, or daughter to be strong and bully someone else so that they're not the quote-unquote victim. Correct. Yeah, Okay beautiful beautiful welcome uh gregory and amy to the facebook live stream again you know f- please feel free to type your comments questions into the, the comment section of the facebook live stream and share the video when we come back uh we'll kind of tie things up Leaving it or not. this is our last break of the wow. hour and uh we'll talk about maybe uh Enlightened parents having to deal with unenlightened parents and see where that takes us. So, everybody, please stay tuned. You're listening to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, and we'll be back right after these messages.
2: You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. talkingalternative.com
0: Welcome back to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. We've been speaking this hour with Ellen Gottlieb, founder of Enlightened Parenting, all about how to be an enlightened parent. So, Ellen, you know, we've been talking a lot about the kids and how to really show up and be present better for our kids. Um, What about when we have to deal, because nobody lives in a vacuum, you know, our kids interact with other kids. How do we as enlightened parents deal with the unenlightened parent whose kid is maybe causing a little bit of anxiety to our kid? How do we deal with the other parent?
1: It's really not our job as parents to try to teach other parents. I really believe that going to the the child's parents and trying to make your case is not the best route. It's always, in my opinion, the most effective to deal with your own child. Ask your child how it felt when they saw that parent deal with you or with their own child in such an awful way you know right. I, my, my daughter came home once so upset that a neighbor had yelled at his own child and called her lazy and stupid and she mm. was besides herself so we simply had our discussion
0: right about how does
1: that feel to observe that and what does that uh. mean to you and sometimes parents you really don't know how to be the best parents, even though they're trying. We oh, I never put another parent down, okay. but it's always the parents are always trying and doing what they think is best and right, and they often just simply don't know. Mm-hmm. So as children grow, they start to learn that we are just people, that we are not perfect, that we do right. not know everything, and that we are just trying to grow ourselves up and help them find their way. So sometimes an unenlightened parent of another child is a wonderful tool for growth.
0: Mm. So I'm curious in that particular circumstance after you said that to your daughter how did anything come of that did did she you know go to the other child and say something to her or did she just sit with that, that sad feeling
1: it's not her place to go to the other child, nor okay. did she, nor did I. Okay. We simply watched and we observed okay. and we learned from it. Okay. And my hope was that maybe that child in my home would learn that there's a different way that we interact and that we speak, that we don't judge, we don't blame, we don't criticize, we surely don't label.
0: Right.
1: So they're, it's just all, they're all tools for growth. Now, there's one more difficult situation, which I've dealt with frequently, which is one very conscious parent in a home. Mm-hmm. And the other parent, the co-parent being quite unconscious, ah. much more complicated.
0: Yeah. And actually, we got a comment on the Facebook live stream related to that. Ta asks, so what designated an enlightened parent? I've spoken to many a person who swears that they are enlightened, and I see them guiding their children into not very cool places. Mm.
1: Well, it's a self-designation.
3: <laughs> There's no certification. Right.
1: Uh, it is ironic to me that we need licenses to do many things in the world and we don't need one to do this most important sacred task of parenting. Yes, uh, But yes. we don't. And yeah. So people designate how conscious and well they believe they're doing right. in their parenting tasks and that's for no one else to judge. Right. So but it is difficult when, let's say, the dad doesn't believe in some of these paradigms and wants right. the kids punished because I do not believe in discipline, okay. wants the ki- kids in timeouts, wants them all, to have all kinds of very negative, uh, you know, re- uh, outcome for a
0: certain right. behavior.
1: And the other parent doesn't. And. And it's all about learning. So what do you,
0: so, so do what you, do? Do you advise the, the, like, let's assume like it's the one who doesn't is the one who's coming to you and they're asking for advice. What would you tell that parent who's dealing with their partner who's maybe not on, you know, on the same path right. as they are on when it comes to this? stuff? Well, the
1: unconscious parent isn't going to want to talk to me.
0: Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I'm
1: always dealing with the conscious parent and I tell her or him that one conscious parent is better than none. Mm -hmm. And sometimes as kids age, we have to start talking to them realistically, Mm -hmm. without ever blaming, without ever putting the other parent down, that sometimes people behave differently and in ways that we don't like. Mm -hmm. And even your own parent may do things that we don't agree with. Mm -hmm. And I, everyone has to make their own choices. And we start to learn that life isn't perfect, even in our own homes. and you know we have to explain to them it's not fair not to explain why the parents are in fact parenting so differently right
0: right yeah and like to to just let them understand that parents aren't perfect right Far you, from it. Right. And, Thank and goodness. That, <laughs> and, and, that you know, I mean, especially as little kids, we have a tendency to think our parents are yes. gods, and we're not. We're human beings, and we do things right, and we do things wrong, and, you know, things get mixed up sometimes, right. don't they?
1: And we're all, I believe, we're all trying to do the best we can. Most, most of us have a very right. favorable positive motive. Right. We just don't know you know right. and that's what i tell parents when your child came home with a c grade that may have been that child's best in that moment for a myriad of reasons right so let's let it go let's look into why it happened right but let's also not not really attach to it, it just these grades just do not matter and i know that's a huge paradigm shift and people don't want to hear it yes the name of the college the grades none of it it's the internal sense of self that's going to catapult your child or not
0: right i mean you know there's been study after study like more self-made millionaires were like you know college dropouts or high school dropouts and never went to college i know and i personally know more people who are like doing things today that have absolutely nothing to do with what they studied in school. You know, they may have gotten a good college degree. They may have graduated summa cum laude. And they may be doing something completely different. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we have a tendency to think, right, that like, you know, we've got to go to college. We've got to get good grades. So we got to, you know, get out and then we'll have a great job. And like, that's what we're going to do for the rest of our life. And it's not the case anymore. Life is much more fluid, isn't it?
1: Much more. I tell my girls and... You know they're in that in their twenties. That life is a great zigzag, and here I am deciding in my mid fifties, what I want to do when I grow up. (laughs) And so, if I may share a quote with you that I said earlier: Yes, please do. Instead of asking your children what they want to be when they grow up, be the role model and ask yourself: What do you want to do when you show up?
0: Yes, I love that. What do you want to do when you show up? Beautiful. Um. Uh, so, uh, given the time of year, we're kind of like, uh, creeping into, uh, uh, Halloween and, um, heading towards Thanksgiving. It's time of year that we traditionally, uh, uh talk about being grateful. Uh, how how do we present Thanksgiving to our kids, especially now there's like all this talk about, you know, Christopher Columbus being such a bad guy and the pilgrims and the native Americans, you know, how do we deal with, with this whole topic of gratitude?
1: Gratitude to me is an essential boundary. It's something we want to teach our children, a parent who, Comes to me and says, my teenage kids have absolutely no gratitude, would make me question that parent. Have you given them everything without boundaries? Every time it was want, was desired, did you run out and buy it? You know, every time there was... A sl- the slightest of need particularly the need to conform like the new jacket right. or the new boots. Did you run out and buy those things? Because the right. way to cultivate gratitude, counterintuitively, of course, as right. best parenting is, is to not immediately jump to meet every desire.
0: Right. No, it, you don't need to have instant gratification. Exactly.
1: And we also can teach gratitude through service of our own, get our children involved in service. Of others Right now, whether, you know, to help victims of all of these natural disasters, right. uh, but not just to send love and prayers, which I, I believe the energy is so important, but <laughs> yes, I think there absolutely. are also concrete things we can do and teach. Right. And I think we also need to hold back on so much giving. Right. So, and show our own gratitude, of course, for all of our abundance.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's one of the things that I love and, and, and I am I, the first to admit I haven't done it enough myself, um, but um, when I just love hearing about when people say, they like on Thanksgiving Day, they'll go work in a soup kitchen, you know, and that, uh, you know, it, 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 and being in service and helping those less, f- um, who have less to to give them something that I think that's a great lesson to also teach our children, isn't it? It's an essential lesson, you know, and that to show them like, hey, we really do have a lot to be grateful for. Exactly. And, th- and that's one of the things why I love. You know, traveling the world is when we see other places. I think it makes us appreciate what we have at home that much more.
1: And teach your children what's enough. Yeah. We have a beautiful home. We have a place to live. We have nourishment right. we can go to a supermarket and purchase that which we want and right. need right. that's abundance yes
0: absolutely so alan unfortunately it's the end of our show it's gone by so fast thank you so much for coming in studio if people want to get in touch with you or learn more about enlightened parenting well, what can where can they go what can i they have do? a
1: website through yes. which i can be contacted enlightenedparenting.co dot co that's dot co for coach ah.
0: enlightened
1: parenting .co. I'd love to hear from anyone or Ellen at co. And I thank you for this very special opportunity to speak with you. It was my great pleasure.
0: Yes, it's, it's been wonderful. And and I do hope that if you've missed any part of the show today, that you will um, catch it on the website. It will be, the podcast will be posted later today. So um, thank you all who are listening through TalkRadio.nyc. Thank you, everybody. on. On the facebook live stream so much love and uh uh, so much interaction i really appreciate it just as a reminder we do do this every week 12 noon eastern time on thursdays to 1 p.m you know i try and get my guests in studio as much as i can Uh, when i can i get them on the phone but i hope you will continue to join us uh, I forget who I have on for next week but I'm sure it'll be amazing show have I ever let you guys down so please continue to join us and absolutely stay tuned because coming up next Oscar Nordstrom with his show Off the Beaten Path talking about uh, all uh, as as our engineer Rob likes to say his show is as eclectic as a menu in a Greek diner so uh, I think you will enjoy him he always has a, a different perspective on, on all kinds of things follow by is it plugged in with adam weinberg um he's also in studio today and he's got a brand new show so thank you all for tuning in on the the station on the facebook live stream and we will talk to you next week
2: you're listening to the talking alternative network who do you want to connect with are you an entrepreneur or entrepreneur looking to build your following welcome to our show Follow Me me Friday Friday. with Joan and Priya. Tune in every Friday at noon Eastern on talkradio.nyc. We're We're your digital digital connectors. connectors. Woo! woo. What's that? (laughs) (laughs) Hey, all you crazy listeners.